What up, what up, what up? Welcome back to Sam Dunks, the weekly NBA show over at Slab Stocks. I'm your host, Sam, and I have the distinct privilege to be welcoming on today from the Washington Post, Ben Gulliver, who's coming to us from the happiest place on earth, the NBA bubble in Kissimmee, Florida. Ben, is it the happiest place on earth, and how are you doing? Well, that's what they tell me when I'm begging for soda waters, when I want them to ship to my uh, my room here on the <laughs> room service, because I can't leave right now. You know, I checked in on Sunday, and they basically have a four seven-day quarantine because you know I flew commercial out here, and I had not been tested for coronavirus before I got here. Right. So, you know, I've just basically been getting a coronavirus test every single day for a week straight. I haven't left my room. The only people I'm talking to are, you know, media members like yourself uh, doing interviews or, you know, the, the testing people who come by every afternoon and then the, the uh, hotel staffers that drop the meals at my door. It's a very strange confinement process. I'm holding up. I think I'm five for five so far on my coronavirus test. So it feels like a winning streak. Uh, a couple more and they will turn me loose. I can start covering practices, covering nice. games. Yeah. wandering around Disney and getting a feel for it. Yeah, I I uh I know you're one of only 10 journalists there that were that were given privilege to come there. So, you know, huge congratulations on that. That's a, a big deal. Um you're in the bubble on behalf of the Washington Post. Um I'm not going to give I'm not going to be under the delusion that anyone would know who I am and not know who you are, but just in case there's someone out there that's listening that doesn't know who you are, I want to give you just a you know opportunity to give a shameless plug, you know, brief synopsis of your career up to this point, and then some of your other current ventures going on. Well, that's dangerous because we could be here all day. But uh, <laughs> no, I I've been writing for the Washington Post for a couple of years now. I started covering basketball about 13 years ago. Um, you know, I've gotten to the podcast game these last couple of years. I have a show with Andrew Sharp called The Greatest of All Talk. People can check that out on greatestofalltalk.com. It's kind of the behind the scenes show. You know, we've been doing podcasts together for years, so we're sort of like brothers, you know, making fun of each other. And we're doing a bunch of inside the bubble shows where I'm kind of giving him the dispatches of what life is really like in here. And I also run a great podcast over at Sports Illustrated called the Open Floor Podcast with Michael Pina, a longtime NBA journalist. We're, we're kind of batting things back and forth as well. So uh, between writing and the podcasting and everything, I'm staying pretty busy. Yeah, I've I've been a subscriber to the Greatest of All Talk since episode one. I was listening to you both on on Sports Illustrated. I still listen to the Open Floor still, although sometimes Pino with his anti Giannis takes and pro Rockets and Celtics and all these things that I just can't stand. It just you know rubs me the wrong way. But you know we live with that. Um, so yeah, go subscribe to Greatest of All Talk. Also, Ben is there on behalf of the Washington Post. I subscribed yesterday. It's only twenty nine dollars for the entire year at the moment. So. Uh, if you are watching this show and you appreciate Ben's uh, writing and his podcasting, I would encourage you to go there and subscribe to the Washington Post for the year also. Um, so you arrived on Sunday Correct. to the bubble. So does that mean tomorrow you should be getting out? Well, if I, pass my, yeah, if I pass my uh, six tests today, then I'll, I'll have to do one more tomorrow. I'll probably get the results back on Sunday morning. So I'm kind of okay. hoping for that Sunday release. Yeah, um, it's, it's interesting because the scrimmage games are coming up next week. So they timed this thing out so that we would sort of be getting out of our quarantine right when the, the teams are starting to get back into their scrimmages. Right. And it's funny because who knows how they're going to handle those scrimmages, right? Or a guy like Giannis, who you mentioned, is he going to come out and play five minutes? Is he just <laughs> going to watch the scrimmages from the sideline? How do you manage it if you're the coach? You, know, you don't want anybody to get injured. We saw Rajon Rondo right off the bat for the Lakers break his uh, thumb. So there's just, you know, it's, it's very disorienting, discombobulating. And just to underscore that point, um, 
we have to do a head count on these players because we don't even necessarily know who all is here. Now, we've seen some social media content come out from the teams where, oh, you know, James Harden arrived. So at least we know James Harden's here. Um, but, you know, it's, it's even difficult as reporters at this point right now to confirm who is and who isn't in the bubble. We understand more than 300 players have been tested in the bubble, um, but, uh, you know, guys could be missing from their teams. And at this moment right now, we would have no idea unless they've announced it. So it's a, it's a cat and mouse game from a reporter standpoint. Yeah, I've been feeling the same thing. If you know, people are asking me how I think it's going to go, or who's what's you know who's going to have an advantage, and it's like I don't even know at all who's there. And but I'm just you know I'm a thousand miles away from from the bubble, or usually about thirty miles away. But still, I have no access to any of that stuff. So I'm glad to hear that that you're also struggling with that. You know, not glad, but you know what I mean. No, we're um, all in it together. I can see the players walking down, you know, every once in a while on the courtyard below, but I can't talk to them. I can sort of wave at them. They're not going to be able to see me up four <laughs> flights of stairs. So it's a, it's a very strange uh, situation. What they've tried to do here, though, is yeah. create a bubble within a bubble, right? They want the players as protected as possible, um, even from potential exposure from media members or staff members. So even once okay. I'm free, they're going to have these little uh, proximity alarms that I have to wear around my neck if I get too close to players. It's going to start beeping if I stay too long in their vicinity. Um, and they also want to keep the players at their own hotel separate from the media hotel, yeah. uh, kind of for the same reason. So th they're taking a lot of steps to keep these guys safe, and I really hope it works. So cornhole is out of the question? You yeah, I've never, been a big, I've never been a big cornhole guy. I like bocce a lot. Um, yeah. You know, you're in Wisconsin. You said that sounds to me a little bit like bocce country. I know yeah. Western Michigan. We used to play a lot of bocce with my grandparents, uh, you know, get out there on the big lawns. So we'll see what else they have. You know, the, the walking trails is what's really exciting me right now because yep. I've been just pacing back and forth in my hotel room because I got nothing else to do and I'm trying to burn the calories. So um, the idea that there's a beautiful walking trail with a man-made lake out there and it's just kind of taunting me right now. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's that's what I'm looking forward to first. Before I do anything else, I'm going to get a lot of steps in. Yeah, certainly a lot of beautiful lakes down there. A lot of heat, a lot of humidity, but, you know, burn off the calories that way too. So that's good. Um, you said that you... You've been seeing players walking by. Do you have access to the, the snitch hotline? And I do. how many times have you used it? Uh, I haven't used it yet. I'm hoping nobody uses it on me because I feel like I've done so many interviews and I tend to have a voice that projects that I'm probably driving my neighbors here crazy, <laughs> you know, but what what can you do? I'm kind of stuck with to make the best of our, our situation. In general, I'm not a big informant type of person. I've never called the cops on my neighbors for noises. You know, if anything, I might pound on the wall and tell people to, to kind of chill out. You know, sure. in college, I wasn't the guy who called the RA. But it's different here because it's a pandemic, right? right. So if there's like some busload of, of 35 people who we know aren't supposed to be here all dressed up to go to some pool party, right. um, I'm going to have to think, you know, real long and hard about that uh, informant line. Maybe you have to make a little call to Adam Silver. But uh I think what's good, though, uh, from a safety standpoint, is that they busted somebody early in Rashawn Holmes going to get right. his postmates. It just sets the, the tone, right? It sets the, the rules out. Everybody, look, you're here for a reason. You're trying to compete for a title. Don't screw it up for everybody else. And ultimately, our safety is relying upon the weakest link. If people are out there breaking rules, going to get postmates or trying to leave campus and come back, it puts every single person here at risk. So uh, I hope uh for vigorous law enforcement on yeah, these uh, rules and regulations certainly. but i don't know if i'm going to be uh, participating on the on the snitch hotline hopefully not yeah hopefully um so you know obviously that is in place for the good reasons like you said if one if only one person gets it and brings it in and you know we saw this with with that jazz uh jet 
the jazz, whoever the Jazz were playing at that uh, that last game of the year, and you think of the, Rudy, Thunder. the Th- Jazz Thunder and and how many players they came in contact with, you know, you know, the domino effect over the past three days. Like obviously, there that's going to really be accentuated. Uh, so really important to have the the bubble and have everyone be accountable. Uh, how do you foresee this type of situation and layout? You know, really strange, you know, environment that we're playing in right now. How do you foresee this? three-month potential you know lockup having you know an effect on players do you think it's going to be adverse effect on their performance do you think it's going to keep them focused or or what do you think that's going to have on their psyche well there's two factors first of all they haven't played basketball in four months so you have the three months here that you could be confined right on the campus and not kind of able to go about your normal routines kept away from your family members and players and you know those those are serious concerns i mean they have medical health professionals here available to reporters, but also to players to kind of deal with that kind of stuff, because, you know, it's no joke to, you know, kind of be, uh, you know, isolated from everybody you care about for that long. But also keep in mind from a physical standpoint, they haven't played for four months, uh, at least in a five on five setting. And even guys who have tried to find ways to play, it's not in a formal NBA playoff like atmosphere. It's certainly different. So they're going to be adjusting all sorts of different ways. It's one of those situations where, um, you know, sometimes people say like, Jesus, take the wheel. I feel mm-hmm. like it's a Jesus, take the wheel kind of moment right. where it's like, all right, you know, we're in the backseat. We're along for this ride. Let's just kind of see where it goes. Yeah. Um, but I think that, you know, having uh, the right mentality individually and team is important. You need to have uh, that leadership, whether it's from your coach like a Doc Rivers or from your star player like LeBron James, just letting everybody know, hey, here's our goal as a unit. We're trying to win a title. We know it's going to be tough. People might say it's an asterisk, but we don't look at it that way. We still view this as a, a valid championship that we're trying to chase. And we want to outlast everybody else. If you have that kind of mentality, you're going to be good. If you have the mentality of, hey, I'm just trying to get some Postmates and get out of here, uh, <laughs> you're going to be going home pretty quick. And I think that it's going to be a situation where the the cream rises, right? I think the cream is going to rise yeah. pretty quick here. Yeah, I'm glad you, you said that about the asterisk. And, you know, I'm a, Buc- I'm a big Bucks fan from Milwaukee and I've uh, been a Bucks fan all my life and, you know, most of that time has been really painful. I remember in 2003, I was in school and we were making puppets and we were supposed to be making animal puppets. And I made a TJ Ford puppet. We just drafted him. And I, I thought, you know, he's by far going to be the best player out of that draft class. Obviously, future all-star. Yeah, future all-star. I thought at 12th time, you know. But uh, no, that didn't happen. But, you know, now having Giannis on the team is just kind of surreal as a Bucks fan to see the NBA really kind of focused in on Milwaukee and, you know, along it's Milwaukee and Los Angeles, which is just kind of crazy to think of. And, and so if the Bucks win, it's like, I don't want any asterisk talk. I know there's going to be some salty fans and, and there's, there's definitely going to be talk about it, but I, you know, personally, I'm going to be extremely happy to have any sort of, you know, accolades at all for my, my favorite team. Well, you know, I call the the L.A. versus Milwaukee thing. I call that uh, Schlitz versus Glitz. Okay, so (laughs) that's how we break that one down. Uh, Here's one way to look at it. You know, Miami's first title with the Heatles in in 2012, there was a little bit of bubbling asterisk talk because it was a lockout season. When they came back and won the next year, it, first of all, it was a crazy Ray Allen shot. I mean, just a ridiculous finals victory. And they should not have won that series, by the way. It still kills me. (laughs) But they did it. And that second title, not only was it one of the most memorable we've ever seen, but it also validated the first title. And it made that first one almost more, more sweet because now no one could say anything. It wasn't about a lockout. It was just because they were the best team. So what I'm trying to pitch to you is a beautiful vision here where if Milwaukee wins the 2020 title and you have to suffer through all these haters saying, oh, it doesn't really count. 
They yep. double back and win it again in 2021 with Giannis, you know, a two-time finals MVP, just like the Heat. Now you're sitting back saying, okay, America, now what? You know, what are you <laughs> going to say? So, you know, that's a, that very rosy future is something that we have to talk about with Giannis because he's on track to be the best player in basketball. I mean, he's right in the middle of his prime. He's putting up in cra- crazy stats. As long as Budenholzer doesn't hold him back during the playoffs, um, I'm expecting huge things from him. And even if he does, I'm expecting huge things from him because that's just Giannis. Right. All he needs is, you know, 29 minutes and he's putting up just some amazing stats. So, yeah, I'm hoping for the same things. I like the vision you've laid out for me. Um, to get into some card stuff here, you know, here at Slab Stocks, we focus on the, the card market, specifically focusing on the investment side of things. You know, with any collectible, there is some investment, you know, opportunities and money to be made. Uh, we really try to just focus on the actual action in the market rather than, you know, affecting it in any way. Um, but two part question here, Ben, first of all, have you ever collected sports cards? And second, are you aware of the insane renaissance that the card market's been experiencing recently? For sure. So I started collecting cards probably like 89, 90 was sort of my, my first, uh, you know, entry into it. I was like six years old at the time. I mean, all my allowance for like five straight years went to basketball cards. And unfortunately I was right in that time period where the mass production was going crazy. So I got so many skybox cards from like 91, 92. I mean, that whole little run, I love skybox. And I actually recently, you're talking about the Renaissance factor. I actually did a home art project where I took like 12 of my favorite skybox cards from the gold set. Mm-hmm. And then they had that crazy, like white background kind of neon set the following year. Right. Yep. So I did uh, almost like a poster of my favorite cards from each one of those sets, kind of lined them up and framed it. And I had that hanging in my apartment for a while. They were cool. I mean, everybody would come over and it was always a talking piece. People were like, wow, what, what's this? Some people would remember the skybox kind of fondly like I did. And so it's kind of nice to bond over that. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, for me, from the investment side, I'm not sure I have like tons of super valuable cards. I've got hundreds of Jordans that I like meticulously save. Yep. I've got a couple like weird baseball ones uh, that, you know, Birmingham Barons cards. I think some of my most valuable cards I like stumbled into accidentally. I have a Kobe and a Tim Duncan rookie cards. I guess yep. it was like the very tail end of my collecting run from like, yep. like 89 to like 96, 97, that range. And I didn't even remember that I had them. And I, I found them, looked up the prices, uh, you know, maybe like a year ago. And I was like, wow, these are actually like kind of worth something. So, um, you know, from that standpoint, I love that there's a renaissance. Uh, the exclusivity factor in some of these auctions that are going on are just crazy. Mm-hmm. I can imagine myself, though, as the six-year-old kid who's like trying to get that Zion, like Jersey swatch card and going to the store every single day, like trying to get it. Like those kinds of things would have completely appealed to me as a child. Yep. So I'm a little jealous, I think, of this year's generation or this uh, this generation's opportunities. But uh, no, I mean, I I still have my cards. I actually I brought them out for the last dance. I lined up all my Jordan cards. I, I saw your post, yeah, yeah, because you know that, those are just good memories, man. Beaverton, Oregon, that was like our connection to the NBA. We didn't have league pass, and right. I was only watching maybe if I was lucky, 15 games a year. So the cards were, you know, how we learned the stats. We didn't have Basketball Reference. I mean, that was. Uh, how we, you know, reading the back of them, memorizing all those statistics, you know, learning guys' middle names. I mean, all that stuff was just great. Yep. Yeah. You know, 
I think my favorite card when I was growing up was I, I hit like a Dwight Howard rookie card, and I was like, oh, that's oh, yeah. a cool thing. You know, I pulled it out of a pack, and I thought that was really big time. No idea where it is now, but yeah, you know, nowadays there's like there's this uh, National Treasures a rookie patch auto of Zion, only ninety nine, and it's going for like fifty thousand dollars. So I just imagine some kid. I don't know how a kid would get his hand on a National Treasures box, but just hitting one of those because his dad bought him a box. It's just like that's life changing stuff. So. Uh, yeah, just huge renaissance, and it's really exciting to see, and it's pretty cool for slab stocks to be, you know, kind of involved in in that and kind of get on the ground floor right as this is all starting to take off. Uh, so yeah, you're going to be – sorry, what? I was going to say, no, it's it's crazy. It's a, it's a cool thing. I also like just the history aspect of cards, too. Yeah. Like, even going back, I remember reading about the Honus Wagners and all that yeah. stuff, and so you can draw a direct line from those kinds of, like, legendary cards that I remember reading about, like, in books, right? I mean, there's, yep. like, books back in the – late 80s about oh you know card collecting and now you've just got this entire community where people are like opening boxes up on uh you know they're breaking boxes on facebook now and live mm -hmm. who's going to get the uh the jordan rookie and all that stuff i mean i watch those things so i'm just like this i i kind of want in sometimes and i'm just yep. like all right you know try to save the money for a house or something you know, yeah, but, I know. Uh, it's funny how that works yep so you're going to be in orlando until october 13th at at the latest um, draft is held on October 16th. I think uh, the seat new season, if we have one supposed to start on December 1st. So obviously we're talking about a, a, just a minuscule off season compared to normal. Uh, you know, usually rookies have three to four months to acclimate to their new teams. Now we're looking at like a month and a half tops. If they report immediately after the draft, uh, you know, obviously a really point guard heavy draft coming up here. Um, point guard is pretty difficult position to transition into the NBA. How do you foresee this affecting the 2020 rookie class having only, you know, basically a month to get ready? Well, I don't want to uh, downplay the importance here, but I do think the NBA should be breathing like a slight sigh of relief that there wasn't a major free agency frenzy this summer. And there wasn't like some crazy Zion level prospect coming right. out this year's draft. Like yeah. if you had to have a year where things were a little bit thrown off and off kilter and condensed, like this is kind of the year to do it. Um, now, if this had been like, imagine if LeBron was a free agent this summer, right? right? Or imagine if Zion or Anthony Davis is coming out in this year's draft. I mean, we would all be like panicking, like what's this going to mean for their future? Are they going to be delayed? And there's going to be impacts on guys. There's no question. Um, I think that the main message for the NBA right now is focus on Orlando first, make sure that yep. stays safe because everything that happens in the off season or next season is completely reliant upon what happens here. I would not be surprised at all if they have to play games in a bubble again next season because, you know, it starts in December. Currently, that's the plan. And we're not very far away from December. And you're looking at all these other sports that are fall sports. They're just canceling because they don't have bubbles. They're not able to hold games in front of fans. They're not even able to do practices safely. So we could very easily see all 30 teams trying to do some sort of a bubble tournament type thing for next season right. if there's no vaccine or something else happening. So the rookies are going to be infect, uh, affected by that free agents are going to be affected by that, but it really applies to everybody. And so that's why it's one of those things like don't let the, uh, the car before the horse here, like focus our mental energies on just trying to like get to the opening night, July 30th, right. and then hopefully get through the playoffs too. But uh, I do feel for 18. I mean, I feel for any kid who like didn't get his senior season in high school or yeah. didn't get, uh, you know, the payoff in college, like the NCAA tournament being canceled has got to be devastating for thousands of athletes. I feel so badly for all of them. But for the rising pros, yeah, I mean, it throws their entire transition up into the air for sure. So I know we have about just about a minute left here. Um, 
thinking also about the offseason, <laughs> I'm getting the cart before the horse here, like you just said, but uh, the 76ers, they're in the bubble there. I said the other day that I think they have a lot of inner strife and don't really like each other. A lot of Sixers in my mentions saying that, uh, you know, this is the first time they're hearing of any of this, that they all get along just great and that, you know, they're going to be together long term. Can you back me up? You know, you're in there. You see these things. You see the inner locker room. What's it like? And do you foresee any movement going on this offseason potentially or next season? Yeah, things are going great. They've just changed GMs multiple times over the last five <laughs> years, had to like flip the roster four different times. Jimmy Butler came and left in, you know, the blink of an eye. Things are wonderful. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm being, I'm laying it on a little thick, but they got major questions, starting with Ben Simmons. What kind of a franchise player gets demoted from point guard to power forward? Yeah, I've never recently, heard yeah. of that really happening ever. I understand why they're trying to do it. You know, they're trying to find more uh, playmaking, ball handling with Shake Milton. And obviously spacing being the top priority. But if I'm Ben Simmons, I'm saying, I don't like this plan. Uh, I've yeah. been working my way to get back on the court for the last four months. Why are you trying to take the ball out of my hands? Why are you sort of de-emphasizing my role? Um, to me, this is a sink or swim uh, situation for Philly. If they don't make a deep playoff run, there's going to have to be major changes, whether that's Brett Brown, whether that's one of the star players getting traded. Um, you know, To me, that's that's kind of how I look at it. Their Their payroll is so big. The expectations have been so high. They haven't broken through the conference finals with this group yet. And the clock is ticking on all of them. And they've got fit questions on the court in addition, addition to some of the uh, personality questions that you're raising. So to me, they're one of the biggest teams to watch. Them and the Houston Rockets are the two um, organizations that I feel like people are kind of rubbernecking around, you know, trying to say, like, how is this going to go for them? Is there going to be an explosion? Yeah. And I think it's fair. I think it's warranted based on how they played the last few years. Last question, just yes or no, just make me feel better. Uh, is Giannis staying? Ooh, I'm going to say yes. I can't break your heart when you're right. that Giannis t-shirt, man. I, I'm not going to come on your show and do you like that. Yeah. Um, look, the pressure's on them too. They yeah. got to make it to the finals. They should make it to the finals. They were so, so good this year. Yeah. And he's been ridiculous. And he looks happy. I thought the footage from him leading the marches, you know, talking about his child wanting to grow up in Milwaukee yeah. and everything. I mean, that that's no small um, indication of, in terms of, you know, what he's thinking. You wouldn't do that if you already had kind of one eye, uh, you know, looking out to greener pastures. So uh, I tend to think that the loyalty factor for him matters a lot. He looks comfortable. He looks happy, but he's going to want to win. That, that's yeah. what it all boils down to. I think everybody knows that. He's a win connoisseur, no, no doubt about it. All right. Well, thank you so much. I know you're out of time. So uh, really appreciate you coming on and uh, I'll be I'll continue listening. I appreciate it. Thanks uh, to all goats out there who are listening as well. And uh, we'll talk soon, man. All right. See ya. All right. Thank you all for listening. It was uh, awesome to get to talk to Ben. Uh, he's one of my, you know, absolute, you know, favorite NBA journalists out there. Uh, you know, I consume a number of his podcasts, read a lot of his stuff over at the Washington Post. He used to be at Sports Illustrated before that. So I'm sure a lot of you read from him. So a big thanks to him. Please go and subscribe to his podcast or to the Washington Post to, su to support him. And uh, also, while you're at it, make sure that you're subscribed to Slab Stocks on Instagram. Subscribe to us here on YouTube. Also, make sure you navigate over to slabstocks.com backslash slabstocks. Uh, go down a little bit of the page, enter your name in the little email address bar, get subscribed to our website. Uh, in hopefully a month or so, we're going to be unveiling our new website. It's going to have 
everything that you need as a collector for the investment side, tracking your portfolio, buying, selling, everything else is powered by eBay. And best of all, it is absolutely free. So we're really excited to roll it out for you guys. And we'd love to have you on board. Uh, so again, thank you all so much for listening. And we'll talk to you again soon.